Well, what's up, City Life? It's good to be here. If you're wondering why there's a an excitement, a palpable expectation tonight. It's because we're celebrating, uh, like Anthony said, Suffolk's here. We're celebrating two years, so we can just take this balloon home with us or however many balloons. But City Life as a whole, many of us who planted Suffolk, we've been a part of City Life. It's been here for 12 years doing ministry, building the kingdom, impacting lives. So that's what we're celebrating tonight. So I'm excited to be back because for me, I can't walk out in that hallway without grabbing folks, talking to folks, because there's so many familiar faces. I hope for a lot of you guys, you'll have a chance to grab them, come to that dessert reception afterwards, to hang out, talk to folks, see what's been going on in life, what's been going on in ministry, what's been going on at our two campuses. But another reason I love this space, specifically, this physical space, is these stained glass windows. I think they're beautiful. I'm an art major, so I had to take a lot of art history classes. And there were times in history, there's times right now in different cultures, but especially going back in history where literacy wasn't as common as it is today. There was a lot of illiteracy. So to teach, to, to give ideas, and to transform minds, people would point to images. Images are powerful. And stained glass windows, when they first were being used in churches, were used to teach. But if you were to go Years before that, you were to go to Athens, Greece. I I took an art history class, and the the professor joked that there were probably more sculptures than there were people, because stained glass window wasn't so much the rage there as sculptures. Sculptures were everywhere. But at the heart of Athens, Greece, was a sculpture, and the name of the sculpture was Kairos. Now, Kairos was the Greek deity of opportunity and and favorable uh, outcomes, basically luck. But the word means opportunity. Now, the statue teaches an important lesson, and it would have looked a little awkward because here's this Greek god. He had wings on his feet. He was always in motion because opportunity comes and goes. But what's powerful and teaches us about this image of Kairos is his haircut. Now, to describe it in a way that everybody here in our culture can understand, it was like a reverse mullet. So there was long hair in the front, but in the back it was bald. Nothing. Maybe some of you can relate. The back's bald, a little more hair in the front than there is in the back. But the whole idea with opportunity is opportunities come and they go. And when opportunities are coming at you, you can lay hold of it. But once it's passed, you're going to lament it because there's nothing to grab. That was this idea of opportunity. It's where the saying comes from. Opportunity is bald from behind. I've never said that in my life. Apparently some people have. What I'll say is, man, if you miss it, you'll miss out. It's the nature of opportunities. Now, fast forward some 20 centuries, bear with me, to the the 20th century in the 1970s. NASA and these uh, scientists and explorers, they realized they had a Kairos opportunity, a once in every 176-year opportunity, to be precise. What happened was all the planets lined up to where you could send one spacecraft out and you could use orbital assist, the gravitational force. Some people in that, that work for NASA are just shaking their heads at me right now as I try to explain it. But you could use the gravity from these planets to accelerate. And because of the lineup of these planets, basically do what they call a grand tour of the solar system in one shortened shot. But again, it was only a, a one in every 176 year opportunity. So NASA went to President Nixon. President Nixon approved them for two spacecrafts to visit two planets, just two, Jupiter and Saturn. But from that moment, as soon as they got approval for that, they, they developed what they called the mission within a mission. That they were going to build these things so that they could keep going. That they wouldn't just stop at two planets, they'd be able to go to Neptune and Uranus. And then they realized eventually, these spacecraft, they're going to leave the solar system. This mission is going to go beyond the solar system. So they're like, if we're going to send 
a proverbial bottle bottle into the, the vast sea of outer space, we should put a message in our bottle if there's life out there. So they put together what's now called the golden record. Literally that, a a 12-inch LP plated in gold so it'll last billions of years with uh, 27 songs on it, 55 greetings in 55 different languages, over 100 images and more on this record as a message. So this mission within a mission now had a message. And what's interesting is the mission cost well over $850 million, had years upon years upon years of investment. This message they kind of threw together last minute. Six months, $25,000. But in the culture, in America, when we shot off these spacecraft, our culture, pop culture, was way more interested in the message and this golden record than the mission because we're way more curious about life out there and what might be out there than we are what the atmosphere of Jupiter is like or or the moons around Neptune. So people were consumed with the message to the point where They kind of just forgot there was even a mission involved. What's on the golden record, right? SNL did skits about it. So to dial all that in, why do I share these accounts unrelated, one from 40 years ago when they shot those spacecraft into the atmosphere? And I share those because we as a church here at City Life, we have a Kairos opportunity. We have an opportunity that we can lay hold of as it comes at us. But if we don't lay hold of it, we're going to lament it after it passes us. And there were so many explorers in history. You look at the Voyager mission. They, they said, oh, you can have two planets, right? We have two campuses, but we don't think we're going to stop at two campuses, right? We're going to go beyond. We believe for more. I don't know what our Neptune and Uranus is, and I don't know if any city wants to be Uranus necessarily. But <laughs> Magellan, Columbus, Da Gama. I might not be invited back to, work, to speak here again. All these Voyagers, when they were going on these 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 voyages to explore, and there was massive opportunity, Kairos opportunities to explore. They bring more than one ship. Again, you look at what Magellan did, Columbus, Da Gama, but you look at these, these space missions, there were two voyagers, Voyager 1, Voyager 2. Right now, we're one church in two locations. But again, we're not going to stop at two locations, and we believe we have this opportunity, but we come together in one place tonight to recognize this opportunity, and not just recognize the opportunity, but recognize the urgency in the opportunity. Paul tells the church in Ephesus, in Ephesians 5, 16, he says, pay careful attention then to how you walk. Not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time. Now, when he says this word time, it's not the time that passes on your watch. It's not the hours in a day. He uses the word kairos, speaking to this personification of opportunity. He's saying you have a kairos opportunity to lay hold of as the church. You're either going to lay hold of it or it's going to pass you and you'll lament it. You have an opportunity. And he spells it out for us in a passage that both Fred and I are going to hit on tonight in 2 Corinthians 5. When he's writing to the church in Corinth and he lets them know you have a message and you have a mission. And our message isn't a golden record, but it's the good news. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verses 19 through 20. It says, God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though he were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So we're handed this message in verse 19. Paul spells it out for us in the New Living Translation. It says, the message of reconciliation. It's what we're given. And this message has an urgency. And I would tell you tonight, if you've never responded to the message of reconciliation, 
Reconciliation through the blood of Jesus Christ with God the Father that covers our sin through grace by faith. Man, there is no more urgent situation in your life tonight. There's no bigger Kairos moment in your life tonight. And once you make that decision, that moment becomes the biggest moment of your entire life, your entire existence here on planet Earth. When you accept that message of reconciliation, we have to be careful. Because I realize I'm preaching to the choir tonight. Many of you, you've received this message of reconciliation. We've received the message, we sing about the message, we preach about the message, but we have to be careful. Because I can apply the message of reconciliation in my life. And I can praise God for the message of reconciliation. I can rejoice over the message of reconciliation. I can preach about it from the pulpit, and yet we can miss and forget the mission. I tell you this tonight, if you relish the gift of reconciliation over your life, but you've never relayed that message of reconciliation, then you've forsaken your mission. If I relish the message of reconciliation through Jesus Christ, I repeat it over my life for, for moments of hope when I need hope, and I rejoice over this message of reconciliation in my life, but I never relay it, then I'll get to God at one point. He'll, he'll by grace say, yes, thank God, thank Jesus, you received the message of Jesus, but man, you forsook the mission. You failed the mission. I handed you a mission, a Kairos opportunity. And like the public at the time of the Voyager launch, sometimes we can get so caught up with the golden record that we first forget the mission. If we keep the message of reconciliation within the four walls of the church, forgetting that ministry really begins on Monday when we go that, out to that mission field, whether it's a workplace or a school or, or a neighborhood or a household where God still wants to penetrate. If, if we forget that, then it's like, the Voyager spacecraft, but they never left the launching pad. Still sitting there in Florida. Each one of us has an opportunity. And we have to remember that when Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world, he's talking about the source of it, right? not of this world, but the state of it, the, the, the place of it, the space of it, it's for this world. And we're the ones that are called to be ambassadors and usher it in. How does God express his kingdom here on earth today? It's through you. It's through me. So people in the church that don't just accept the message, but they accept the, mess, the mission, which is to be ambassadors. Paul spells that out for us in verse 20. We are, therefore, Christ's ambassadors. We have, therefore, this mission. And let, pause, think about that. Let it marinate. We're called to be God's ambassadors, resident representatives of God here on earth, in Virginia, on the peninsula, on the south side, in our neighborhoods, we're called to be resident representatives of God. And I say, think about that and let that sink to your mind and sink to your heart because sometimes I think we get it twisted. Rather than behaving like the disciples in the book of Acts who took up this calling as ambassadors, we can kind of take up the role of the spies at their promised land in the Old Testament where we, we go in as spies, kind of incognito. We don't want to be recognized for what we are. We're more concerned with fitting in and functioning as God's ambassadors as we've been sent to engage kingdom purposes and build his kingdom here. So we end up engaging in the culture, but we lose our identity. And we don't spark any change because we don't ask anybody to change because we've jettisoned the gospel. God calls us not to be spies, to lay low, but to be ambassadors and resident representatives of his kingdom. We act so often, even in the church, we're guilty of talking like sharing our faith is awkward and odd. It's sharing who you are. What's awkward and odd 
is not sharing about who you are. What would be awkward and odd is if I never let anybody know I was married or loved Steph. That's awkward and odd. What's awkward and odd is not sharing what's impacted your life, changed your life. That's awkward. That's weird. Sharing who you are and what's impacted you and makes you who you are. We got to stop giving into the lie that that's weird. That's normal. I read a book. It's called Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus. It's by a man who just recently passed away, but he recounts a Kairos moment when his high school Latin teacher asked him in the middle of class, do you know about Jesus? And I love what he says. It's, it's, a, it's a great read. It's kind of a memoir. So he's recounting it happening. He says, now I knew she was crazy. We were in the middle of Latin class. But then I love what he says next. He says, all the same, I immediately gained respect for her. Why had other Christians never asked me this question? They did think I needed Jesus to go to heaven, right? Were they content with letting me go to hell? Or were they not really believing their faith? Man, when I read that, I had to put the book down. I was like, Conor McGregor just jabbed me right over my heart. Because if we're all honest, if I'm honest, I don't share my faith as much as I should. I can do better. And if that's you, then we need to reread that question. Are we content with letting people go to hell or do we not really believe our faith? What is it? Because the natural conclusion is if you believe something deeply, you'll live it boldly. And we are sent as spies to blend in and kind of hang out and not be noticed. We're sent as ambassadors to shine, to point to Christ. But I think sometimes we kind of find a third option, right? There's ambassadors, there's spies, and then we, we like, all right, I'm going to be a gladiator. Because there's culture wars, man. And we love to jump passively behind a keyboard and be keyboard warriors, right? And you end up engaging the culture, but you engage it to condemn it and fight against it. And we fight, but in conversations against flesh and blood, not against spirits and powers and principalities. So we don't change anything. <laughs> Let me reiterate, all those conversations on Facebook, I've never seen fruit, right? Going back and forth, jab here, jab there. Man, it's because we're focusing on flesh and blood. We're not focusing on spirits, and as, as a result, we don't usher in the kingdom like we should. And ironically, just like if we were to engage the mindset of a spy, we end up fitting right in. Because I don't know if you've noticed, uh, our culture has an outrage addiction, right? Which is every day, it's like, what am I upset about now, Right? What, what can we draw a line in the sand and say, you got to pick a side now? But it's powerful. Paul tells us we don't respond in kind. I love how right after that verse I read in Ephesians 5, he goes into Ephesians 6, and he says we don't respond like the world does. We don't fight like the world does because we don't fight flesh and blood. We battle spiritual powers and principalities, and we don't go at it like the Israelites going into the promised land because the kingdom of God, it's not about territory. It's not about flesh and blood as much as it is about minds and hearts. And the kingdom of of God expands through hearts and it expands through grace, through grace and grace alone. So our Kairos call, our opportunity and our call is this great commission. Our Kairos commands, the two greatest commands, love God and love people. Love God, love your neighbor. Not warfare, but witness. You know, we'll finally begin to gain ground in the midst of our culture and its outrage addiction when we can match it with a church that's got an outreach conviction. That, that's as addicted to outreach as the world is to outrage. But until we stop combating like the world doesn't try to reach it like the world, we're not going to gain ground. We got to be so convicted about the goodness of the message that we can no longer forsake the mission. Because if you believe it, you'll live it boldly. And where our culture, again, habitually will just draw lines in the sand, 
It's us and them again and again, just dividing lines in our culture. It's the same way in Jesus' day, Jews and Gentiles, right? Jews and Romans. Jesus says, or it says in the Bible in Romans 5, 8, there was a line drawn in the sand between us and God. There was a trench called no man's land that nobody could cross. And Jesus crossed it through the cross, through grace. And he says, I'm going to give my church a new paradigm. Not us versus them, but me for them. Us, the church, for them for our culture, for our society. This is the message of reconciliation. So he gives us this great commission. And again, we see in Acts, the disciples take up this great commission. They see their Kairos opportunity and they lay hold of it. And because the disciples and the people that were following them laid hold of that opportunity, we're here today. The question I gotta ask myself is, what am I laying hold of when the next generation is here where they'll say it happened because he laid hold of that Kairos opportunity? Who's going to be here in the next generation that says, man, I am where I am today because City Life laid a hold of its Kairos opportunity. Didn't let it pass and then lament it and think what if, but laid hold of it. Those 12 disciples, they picked up this role of ambassadors. They picked up the message in one hand and the mission in the other, and they changed the world. Alan Hirsch once said, you can create a stronger movement with 12 disciples than 1,200 consumers. So I would simply say tonight, let's not be hundreds of consumers at City Life. Let's not be hundreds of beneficiaries of the message of reconciliation. Although we benefit, praise God, thank God. Let's not just settle in as beneficiaries. Let's settle in as ambassadors. We're called to be ambassadors. And to close with one last verse, if the worship team could come up. In Romans 13, 11, Paul says to the church in Rome, this is all the more urgent, for you know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up, for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Again, when... He says time is running out, wake up. This time, it's not chronos, it's not the time on your watch, it's not the days that pass, it's kairos. You have an opportunity. Salvation is knocking. An opportunity is bald from behind. So either we lay hold of it or we don't. And we have a set chronos, we have a set time here on earth. So if we don't lay hold of the opportunities we have in this life, we don't get another shot in another 176 years or some grand tour. We get one shot at the Great Commission. With the life we're given, the chronos we're given, what we need to ask is for God, man, give me the eyes to see Kairos opportunities in the time I've been given here on earth. And we all have opportunities every day. The question is, will we, as it says, wake up? You know, Fred's gonna come up in a bit after we step into worship, talk about our opportunity out there as a church to reach this region, this peninsula, our culture. But as I just close this moment, I wanna share about the opportunity we have right now, right here in our hearts. Because if we're honest, we live a busy, fast-paced, consistently frenetic lifestyle, especially in our culture. And how many of you guys sleep with white noise? I got a white noise app, and even if I don't have the app on, I got the baby monitor, right? It's just a steady hum. People sleep with white noise because it drowns out all the the stuff that might startle you. Any random noise, it's drowned out by the white noise. And I ask sometimes, man, is the busyness in my life, this to-do list, this point A to point B lifestyle, is it drowning out the Kairos moments that I'm supposed to be alert to? Because again, it says right here in Romans 13, basically, your Kairos opportunity is running out. It's running past you. So wake up, realize it, and lay hold of it. And just one last thought. An ambassador, again, is a resident representative of another kingdom, another king, not of this world. But you would be a crummy ambassador if you'd never been to that country, if you didn't know its language, you didn't know its culture, 
You didn't know its policies. You didn't know the king's heart. So we can't just go out and be like, all right, I'm going to go lay hold of those opportunities and not enter into God's presence. The church's witness is only going to weaken if we don't prioritize God's presence. But man, you can flip that on its head. Our witness will continue to grow if we begin to prioritize the presence of God. It's only then when we have the power to have an impact that God calls us to have. So if we could stand, we're going to go into worship. And I want to invite us in this moment to, man, prioritize the presence of God. Enter into his presence. Press into his presence. Man, in Suffolk, we got a small altar. Here, we can fit. I don't know. I don't know if there's a fire code. We fit 50 people up here, right? You want to press in, press in. But let's prioritize God's presence in this moment because, again, Fred's going to share about the opportunity out there. But first, we have to enter into God's presence. Let him mark us. That church in Acts, they could have done their darndest, but if they didn't have the Holy Spirit in them, didn't matter. Holy Spirit, we ask you, mark us tonight. Give us eyes to see those Kairos opportunities in the Kronos time we've been given. God, give us a renewed sense of urgency that we don't get a, another, another chance 176 years from now. We give a one life, one chance, an opportunity is balled from behind. If we miss it, we miss out. Man, as the song says, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Fill this place, fill this atmosphere. Help us to become more aware of your presence, not just here. Help us to become more aware of your presence in every opportunity that passes us Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, not just four walls on a Saturday, Lord God. But we lay hold of this opportunity here in these four walls that you can mark us and remind us. God, we're about to sing Psalm 91 where it talks about you being our refuge. Man, help us to enter into that refuge daily again and again so you can continue to mark us so we're not just going out there saying we're ambassadors but we can be ambassadors representatives of who you are your heart and your love God we love you we worship you give us a renewed sense of your love so we can walk out the great commands those Kairos commands to love you and love our neighbor but we love you we worship you here tonight in Jesus name